0: Welcome back to Unspoken Words, the podcast where we talk about old writing in new ways. We're your hosts, Libby and Katie, and today I'll be talking about the Wife of Bath. Whoa, whoa. The Wife in a tub? No, no. The Wife of Bath. Like, she's from Bath, the city in England. Funnily enough, it is named after its Roman-built baths, so you're not completely wrong. The Wife of Bath is a character from the Canterbury Tales.
1: Oh, yeah. Now I remember it. That's the
0: one with the (laughs) whore. Okay, honestly, that's kind of true. But at the same time, we gotta support her, because she's just trying to live her best life, you know? If she wants a lot of men, who are we to judge?
1: Okay, sure. She's a girl boss whore. But let's not get ahead of ourselves. Let's dive into the tale. So, the wife of Bath starts with a really long prologue about herself. She basically talks about how she's had five husbands, but it's okay because the Bible's mostly okay with it. That's some really great logic there. Anyways, she goes on to describe how with each of these men, she always took control and domineered them. Let's just say, men back then
0: weren't as open to the concept of women being actual people and not just accessories.
1: She pretty much manipulated all of her husbands and would only hook up with them if they paid her. She really took Gaslight Gatekeep girl boss seriously. And get this, with her last husband, who was kind of a sucky person, Hit her, she pretended to straight up die, so he would stop being so sucky. (laughs) (laughs) Kind of valid, to be honest. Hitting people is not cool, folks. So eventually, she gets to her actual story, which basically just mirrors how she wants to be in charge of men. In that story, a knight rapes a girl and gets sentenced to death.
0: But wait, the queen wants to be in charge of his punishment, so the king allows it. Hint, hint, audience. You should be getting the woman wants to be in charge of the man vibes right now. The queen sends the knight off, saying that if he can't tell her what a woman desires most within a year, he'll die. So, the knight searches for a super long time, getting tons of different answers. He gets so desperate that he makes a deal with an old hag. She tells him that women desire to have dominion over their husbands as well as their lovers, and to be above them in mastery. And the queen agrees that this is a woman's greatest desire, so the knight's life is spared. Honestly, I feel like what a woman desires most should be sleep. Our 7.15 start time is brutal. True. But there's a catch. Remember that deal I mentioned? The old hag forces the knight to marry her, and he is not happy about it at all. Eventually, because of the knight's frustration, the hag gives him a choice. He can either have her ugly, but faithful, or he can have her beautiful, but unfaithful and petty. He decides to give the hag a choice, and this makes her
1: so happy that she decides to be both a beautiful and good wife. We're still a little caught up on how someone can just decide to be pretty, but we'll let that slide. Anyways,
0: that's the summary of our old words, so now let's think about their meaning. Let's get back to the whole concept of women wanting power over men thing. Sounds a little overkill, right? Right. But in the time period, women, especially third-state peasants, were heavily oppressed, meaning that men held power over women.
1: So really, this whole comedy of manners is just about her wanting to have the same power as men. But when the wife of Bath talks about how she takes this power from her husband, the pardoner basically freaks out saying, I was about to wed a wife. Alas, why should I purchase it so dearly with my flesh? I'd rather wed no wife this year. That's a direct quote from the text. Yikes. You can tell he thinks it's really bad because he literally wants to give up on women after seeing her. Believe it or not, there's a reason for this. In our research, we found a journal called Misogynist vs. Feminist Chaucer. As you might be able to tell from the title, it talks about the way women are treated in the Canterbury Tales. It noted that the tendency of medieval writers was to polarize their views of women, condemning them to the pit or elevating them to the pedestal. That's really just a fancy way of saying that
0: people either loved women because they fit the romanticized idea of a woman should be weak and obedient,
1: or they hated them because they didn't conform to gender roles. The article also says that marriage was central to a woman's social identity in a way that it was not for men, since men's legal and property rights remain unaffected by it. So if we were magically brought back to the past right now, we would have to marry some random dude who probably wouldn't respect us just so we could own things and have super limited rights.
0: Not cool. That's why the wife of Bath is scary and shameful to people like the partner. She doesn't just accept these limitations. She stands up against her husband's and isn't weak. She actively undermines the social order. We did tell you that she wasn't just a whore, but a girl boss whore, didn't we? (laughs) Now that we've thought about the meaning of these old words, let's think about them in a new way. We said that it was because the wife of Bath didn't fit societal expectations that she was negatively perceived, but how does that relate to anything in our
1: modern life? Well, Katie, it really applies in tons of different ways. Even though it's been over 600 years since the Canterbury Tales were written, we still deal with the repercussions of gender roles, heteronormative standards, and stereotypes. The issue that we decided to focus on today is one that is extremely relevant right now, the perception and treatment of LGBTQ people, particularly the effect that societal norms have on them. Historically, LGBTQ people have tended to face
0: a lot of difficulty and discrimination. Did you know that the CDC has full guidelines on how schools
1: should act in order to meet the needs of LGBTQ youth? If you didn't, congrats, you just learned something! That fact probably just replaced one of your childhood memories! Anyways, as of 2012,
0: a mere 10 years ago, only 5.5% of high schools had implemented the six CDC-endorsed strategies. Yikes, that's an embarrassingly low number. Agreed. This data comes from the academic journal, Implementation Science. The article basically follows a study about the risk and factors of suicide in LGBTQ students. Anyways, from the schools the researchers studied, 35.5% of LGBTQ students reported being bullying on school property in the last year, compared with 17% of their straight peers. And 17.3% of LGBTQ students skipped school because of safety concerns, compared with 5.6%
1: of their peers. These differences between LGBTQ and straight people's responses are no joke. The fact that literal children feel unsafe at school because of their identity is emblematic of a bigger issue. Bullying doesn't just come from nowhere. This leads to some important
0: questions. If you took away the biases of the people around these LGBTQ students, would you still see the same data? Would LGBTQ students still be more at risk for suicide? Where
1: do all these issues really come from? That's a real thinker for you folks at home. But hey, maybe at this point you're thinking, well, maybe LGBTQ people had it bad back then. After all, it was 10 years ago. But things are totally better now, right? Wrong. According to an article from the Law Journal trial, as of 2020 to more than 300 anti-LGBTQ bills have been proposed across the country, with the majority targeting transgender children. Furthermore, the article says that many states have passed or proposed laws that ban
0: instruction on LGBTQ lifestyle issues and prohibit textbooks and instructional materials that promote, normalize, support, or address controversial social issues, such as LGBTQ lifestyles, and claims they offend a significant portion of students, parents, and Tennessee
1: residents with Christian values. As you can see by now, this is not some resolved issue. Battles over LGBTQ people are constantly ongoing, with people fighting viciously for both sides. Similar to The Wife of Bath, more conservative people tried to stop LGBTQ people from breaking norms by making laws. For medieval women, these laws made it so they could only get property and legal rights through marriage. And for LGBTQ people, this has been states trying to suppress people from talking about being LGBTQ in schools. The whole no teaching LGBTQ issues because
0: it doesn't fit my beliefs thing almost perfectly mirrors the way medieval people didn't want women to be equal to men. It's an ideology, basically saying that something shouldn't be done just because it's not
1: the way things have been done. On that note, let's revisit the Wife of Bass prologue real quick. When she's talking about her fifth husband's obsession with reading about bad women, she remarks that, if women had written stories, they would have written of men, more wickedness than all the male sex could set right. Women were constantly held in a negative light if they had their own ideas or spoke their minds, much like the members of the community being belittled for protesting and fighting for basic human rights. That's really the point of all of this, isn't it? LGBTQ
0: people and medieval women, women like the wife of Bath, don't adhere to the expectations and limitations that society tries to impose on them. Because of this, their point of view and messages are often silenced. Today we hear so much about what people think about LGBTQ people saying they want to cheat in sports, indoctrinate children, or be predators, yet we very rarely get to see their side of the story.
1: They never really get a fair chance because the fact that they are different makes people perceive them negatively, and this hurts their chances of being truly listened to. That's why there's so much
0: anti-LGBTQ legislation. That's why LGBTQ students face disproportionate struggles in
1: comparison to their straight peers. That's why they're condemned to the pit. Put simply, heteronormative standards and the societal expectations they bring negatively impact the treatment and perception of LGBTQ people.
0: Thank you for listening to our podcast, the first and last episode of Unspoken Words. We hope you learned something new from old words. Thank you.